Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 8.30 service on this, the second Sunday of Easter. It's good to be together in God's house. Welcome to those of you in the room, those of you joining us online. Welcome to those of you who are visiting with us. A couple of you I met, uh, you're new. We're so honored that you have come to worship with us. We hope you'll come back and leave us some contact information. My name is James Howell. I'm one of the pastors here, as you can tell by the way I'm dressed today. <laughs> See if you're out there. You'll wake. I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Jessica Dason. Good morning. It is so good to be together. In this Easter season, we hope that you will take this opportunity to plug in and get involved. We have several different small groups that are starting up in the next week or two, so we hope that you'll check out the bulletin or check our website out and find ways to get involved. And of course, our staff is here for you, so if there's a way that we can help you get plugged in, please reach out, let us know. It is good to be together. Let us continue on in worship. of God, let us now join our voices together as we profess our faith through the Apostles' Creed. 
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. service to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. Kate and Mike Mitchell bring their son Palmer Barnes for the sacrament today. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Friends, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sin? If so, say we do. We do. Do you confess Christ as your savior, put your trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say we do. We do. And will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself? profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life? If so, say we will. It looks like he's ready to answer for himself. <laughs> and to you, members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, will you include this family now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? Will you surround this family with a community of love and forgiveness? so that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, say we will. Friends, let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. When you saw your people as captives in Egypt, you delivered them through the sea, their children you brought into the promised land through the Jordan. In the fullness of time, you sent your son Jesus, who was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And he calls on his disciples to share on the baptism of his death and resurrection. Pour out your Holy Spirit now to bless this gift of water in him who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in your final victory. All praise to eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you in the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Palmer Barnes Mitchell, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Therefore, let your light so shine before others that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. 
Child of God, as you grow in age, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice to welcome you to the family of God. Friends, one of the things that we can do as a church is come together to confess before God and one another, knowing that God is rich in love and great in mercy. So let us join now in our prayer of confession. Gracious God, forgive us for the doubt that clouds our vision, the pain that makes us hide from you, from ourselves, and from those we love most. Free us from our confusion. Heal us from our wounds. Resurrect us from our shame. Raise us into the hope and joy that we realize when we are close to you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The New Testament reading is 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which though perishable is tested by fire, may redound to praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Without having seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with unutterable and exalted joy. As the outcome of your faith, you obtain the salvation of your souls. This is the word of God for the people of God. On Monday, I ran into a church member out and about who said, whew, Easter is over. And I thought if my buddy Shane Page were standing there, he would say, oh no, Easter is longer than Lent. It's interesting. We have the season of Lent, but it's shorter than the season of Easter. The, the sorrow, the grief, the brokenness, the finding yourself in a dark pit yields to the light, the wonder, the new life of Easter. I love the early uh, Easter stories in the Bible. Uh, there's a lot of running around. There's a lot of confusion. The women say something. The men don't believe it. Jesus breathes on people. They don't know what that means. They're out on the road. They don't recognize him at first. Mary doesn't recognize him at first. There's a breakfast by the sea. It's a lot of confusion, right? There's not like, not like here's a creed. Here's what you should believe. Here's what you should think. They didn't have all that yet. It was a movement, and it started spreading before they had the creeds and all of that ironed out. It was a movement. They didn't have a business plan. They had no idea what they were doing, and Christianity began to spread all over the world. Nobody understood. 
Uh, creeds are interesting, right? Creeds aren't uh, trying to, you know, iron everything out and get it all straight so that here are the rules that you have to behave. It, it, it's aspirational. It, it's out of all this excitement and the confusion and the wonder. It, it's when we say we, we do believe, we're, we're trying to believe, we're doing our best. We, we, we're with those guys who, who stand and say the same things. We're working on it together. Uh, in uh, 2004, during my first year here, I preached a series on the Apostles' Creed. And I found myself in two different sermons saying uh, uh, something to the effect of, you know, what do I believe about something or another? And I found myself saying, if I think about the, great, the 50 greatest people that I've ever known or heard of who have died, did they believe these things? And in each case, I thought, actually, the 50 greatest people that I have known who have died and gone on did believe these things. What do you do with that? I've told some of you before, the, I hope it's a true story. I'm not sure when Lyndon Baines Johnson was running for Senate, he and some of his cronies were out uh, registering voters in a cemetery one night fraudulently, and they're getting the names down so they could vote for LBJ for Senate, and one guy came to a stone, he couldn't read the writing very well, so he skipped it. And Lyndon said, no, 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 you go back, he has as much right to vote as anybody else in the cemetery. I thought about that this week, Lisa and I got to go to the premiere of a documentary that was locally produced, it's called A Binding Truth. It's the story of uh, two guys that grew up in Charlotte. Uh, one is named D. Kirkpatrick. D's my neighbor over in Plaza Midwood. Uh, had years as a practice as a uh, psychologist. And then somebody that he went to high school with named Jimmy Kirkpatrick. Uh, Jimmy was interesting. Jimmy uh, grew up in what's called, what was called Greer Town back in the day, Greer Heights now. He was a big football star at Second Ward High School down in what used to be the Brooklyn neighborhood before it all got torn down <laughs> in uh, urban renewal. He was a big football star, and then for his last year, he, tran he transferred to Myers Park High School and became a huge football star there. If you notice when I mentioned their names, D. Kirkpatrick, Jimmy Kirkpatrick, D. is white, Jimmy is black. They never put those two facts together until years later. Uh, Jimmy had moved to Portland, Oregon, and uh, he started doing family research and genealogy, and he found that, lo and behold, some of his ancestors, not surprisingly, had been slaves. So he tried to figure out uh, who, who owned his ancestors, the slaves, and he had the name Kirkpatrick, and you can see where this is going. He traced it back to a guy named Hugh Kirkpatrick, who was who was D. Kirkpatrick's great, 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 I forget how many greats, grandfather, right? So J D's ancestor was a slave owner and he owned the ancestor of Jimmy. So Jimmy reaches out to D and they start talking about this and what's cool in the documentary is they have become, they're very close friends. I don't mean in an official sense, like they vacation together, their kids are uh, attendance in each other's weddings, they become very, very close friends. It's a great story. The two best moments in the story come where Dee takes Jimmy to his ancestor Hugh's grave. They're there in the cemetery, and he comes over and he says, here's where Hugh Alexander lies to this day. Jimmy bent down, and he spoke to Hugh, and he said, guess who's here? Pretty good line. The best line in the movie, in the documentary, though, I think is when toward the end they're sitting around and they're talking about well, what have we done by sort of looking into all of this. And, and a friend of theirs says, "You've wakened the dead. You've wakened the dead." And I thought, man, I'm going to preach a sermon on wakening the dead. And the question I have is, you know, what, what's dead that needs wakening? What is dead that needs wakening? What has gone dead in you? I find stuff going dead in me all the time. I have to confess to you, I'm ashamed of it. I was watching the news the other day and there'd been a shooting in the bank in Louisville. And I found myself sort of going, uh-huh, and moving on with my day. So many shootings, the sensitivity to it, the horror begins to go dead a little. I don't want that to be dead in me. I want always to be awakened to the horror of things that 
go on, what's gone dead in you? Uh, I've always known people, I call them ex-liberals, ex-activists, I don't know what they were. They're people that when they were young, they wanted to change the world, but then they got old, they got jaded, they got realistic, and they, they kind of gave up their youthful idealism. Does it ring a bell with anyone? <laughs> Does it ring a bell? And then you hear young people, and they're idealistic, and they want to change the world. And there's always some old person who says, oh, you'll calm down one day. It's just so sad. I don't want that idealist that wants to change the world to go dead in me. In the uh, musical Waitress, uh, the best line, I think, is uh, when a woman, woman who's beginning to grow a little bit older looks back on her life, and she can't believe where she has found herself and she sings this, I'm not anything like I used to be. The girl I used to know, she's gone, but she used to be mine. What I want is a chance to start over and rewrite an ending or two for the girl that I knew. I'm trying to think, why bother to come to church? And I think we come to church because of the Easter hope that, that we can still stay sensitive to the horrors of the world, that we can still be idealists and think the world needs change and we're going to do our part in it, that the person that I used to be that I lost somewhere along the way, how did I become this person that I am, that that, that can maybe be retrieved and healed and raised. Sometimes you can't rewrite the ending. I always think uh, Frodo at the end of The Lord of the Rings says this, how do you pick up the threads of an old life? How do you go on when in your heart you begin to understand there's no going back? There's some things that time cannot mend. There's some hurts that go too deep. I think we bring those to God and the church, and God is with us, and God embraces us. There's some losses you just can't make up for them, but God is with us in eternity it will all be healed i think about spirituality uh someone told me recently i used to be a spiritual person but i i don't know i don't know what happened to all of that i used to love church now it's uh, and so on uh i think there's a spiritual person inside each one of us there's a sleeping giant in there maybe it's been neglected for a while maybe you haven't noticed that person but that person is not gone because God made you God made you with that giant inside you there is a spiritual person in there I even wonder about things I hear about this periodically uh, spiritual could there be a spiritual awakening in America a lot of times when people talk about such a thing, it's, you know, a spiritual awakening in America. It's, it's conservative or it's liberal. It's somebody who's talking that way. For there to be a real spiritual awakening in America, if you think about it, I think it's a possible thing. That's the kind of thing that we pray for, that we'd want to be part of. It wouldn't just be a Christian thing, would it? It would have to be an interfaith thing, because there's so many of us from so many places all over the place. And it would be characterized not by might and strength it would be characterized by humility and mercy and compassion a spiritual awakening in america could such thing happen uh in first peter it says that we have this inheritance from god i was thinking about you know what have you inherited i've inherited a few things over time from grandparents and then now my parents once the once they are gone have some little treasures. I have my grandfather's, uh, the plane that he used in working wood. Uh, I like to look at it. I've never tried working wood with it. I might injure myself or something. His plane that he used. I've got his mail bag. He was a rural mail carrier. I like That's a little treasure that I have. I have some other treasures from my uh, from the Howell side of the family, my hair. I know when you look up, you think, James has such great hair. This is Howell hair. I didn't earn it. I, I don't work on it. It's just the Howell hair. I inherited this hair. My son has this hair. This is what he will look at, look like. When he is my age, I inherited from the Howells proclivity to certain diseases. And my son would say, Dad, I inherited your vertical leap or lack thereof. It's a thing. First Peter speaks of our inheritance. He's not thinking about little treasures that come down through the family or maybe, you know, some, some money that comes your way or proclivity of disease or the, what your voice sounds like or any of that. You know, what, is the, what do we inherit from God? What, are the, what is the inheritance 
that comes to us as the people of God. It's probably a long list, but I thought about a few things this week. Like the ability to pray. Like, you didn't earn that, you didn't deserve it, you didn't figure it out, but God works it out where we inherit this thing. We can actually speak to God. <laughs> Even our size, I told you this over and over during the pandemic, Romans chapter 8 says, when we sigh, that sounds like despair, like, ah. But, but, but Paul says that when we sigh, that is the Holy Spirit breathing in us, praying in us. That just moves me to no end. Like the next time you sigh, that's the Holy Spirit praying in you. It's pretty cool. God gave us the ability to dream. God gave us the ability, First Peter speaks of it, that even though we are in trials, we can rejoice. That's not the kind of thing you can figure out how to do on your own, is it? It's a gift from God. You see it sometimes. You'll be at a funeral that's a very, very sad moment indeed, and people find something to laugh about. It's always amazing. The ability to hope. Hope isn't, oh, tomorrow's going to be a better day. It's not a Scarlet O'Hara kind of thing. Hope is, is that there is a God, and God has a plot to history, and we can trust in that. We can be part of that. I love it that our capital campaign is called Hope is Here. I love it that hope is going to be on the name of our new building, hope. It's a thing that we inherit from God, and it's such a beautiful thing. And sometimes it's a small thing. Sometimes you hear about hope, and you think, oh, that's some big, spectacular, amazing, miraculous thing. Sometimes it's just something so simple. I recently read a novel called My Father's House by Joseph O'Connor. And the passage that I love, this woman, the Contessa Giovanna Landini, she has much and she has lost more. Think about that. She has much and she has lost more. She's talking to a priest one day about hope and she says that she has hope but the form that it takes is so interesting. She says hope, if it is ever encountered, is in the small things of the everyday. Not a big announcement from on high. It's the aroma of cooking, a phrase from Vivaldi, a hand clasp, a conversation. That's what happened to me in the garden that day. Entering the park, I didn't know this man, but leaving it, I had shaken hands with who would become the greatest friend of my life. Hope so often is just in a person, somebody who listens, somebody who cares, somebody who loves. Peter speaks of this as being more precious than gold, hidden for you in heaven, reminding me of Jesus saying, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The question I have to ask, is not, not a threatening ask, but it is a good question, is what treasures are you laying up for yourself in heaven or have you laid up for yourself in heaven? I don't know how to answer that question. I thought about it uh, on Friday. We had our funeral service for Dick Carter, who was our lay leader, and um, what I found myself talking about toward the end of my comments was this. Dick... Yeah, this is kind of a marvel thing. You know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, it's 111 verses, 2,500 words long. Dick had committed this to memory. And he could just recite the Sermon on the Mount to anybody. And people hear that and they think, wow, he must have been brilliant. He was a Duke guy, so yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he must have been brilliant. And I said there, it's not a feat of memory. It tells you something about his heart that he knew those words by heart, Jesus' words. And then I said this, I still think this is true, that when Dick passed away the night before Palm Sunday, in my thinking, he was greeted in heaven, Jesus welcoming him. And then I think uh, shortly though after he got there, I just bet that Jesus said to him, can you do something for me? And Dick, of course, said, well, yeah, anything. And then Jesus said to him, could you do that Sermon on the Mount thing for me? It's like a treasure in heaven. Dick invested some time in something that could carry a huge amount of weight in heaven. What, what, what do we do here that would carry weight in heaven? I'm not sure that when we get there, Jesus would say, tell me how you grew that business. 
it's interesting. What, what would Jesus ask about? What would Jesus want to know? What are the treasures that we lay up in heaven? I, for one, am glad that we're, we have this building project. We're in a world where churches seem to be dying. Our church is growing and booming. We're building a building. And I, as that steel goes up, it's exciting to watch the steel go up. What I want you to think about when you see the steel going up, I want you to think about the steel not as, wow, that's an impressive building. I want you to think about the steel going up as a prayer that we are offering to God, right? That, that we as a church, we as the people, people of God, and we can be confused and everything else, that we are reaching up toward God. And as we reach up toward God in heaven, we're also at the same time making a great witness to the world. People have to look at this and think, what, what, what is going on there? What is God doing there? Is there really a God there? I think about the neighborhood that we are building over near the airport, the Plato Price Project, building 39 homes there. <laughs> Think about that black, all-black school that was there from the 19-teens up into the 1960s, and the people like Jimmy Kirkpatrick, the descendants of slaveholders who went to school there, and you know it was substandard. They didn't get the privileges of the white schools where many of us grew up, but yet there were children there, and they were learning, and they were loving, and they were growing. And I, when you go on that property, I think we listen for their voices. Listen for their voices, their voices of hope, their dream of another kind of world, and we're joining hands with them to make a difference there. And then I haven't finessed the end of the sermon, but I want to name this our, our other affordable housing project is at Caldwell Memorial Presbyterian Church over near Novant Hospital. Building apartments there for people who at some point have been homeless to live in. It's an exciting project. That makes me think of my friend Richard Harrison, who was one of those who has gone on, who has a right to vote as much as anybody else in the cemetery. Richard, uh, lovely man. He uh, functioned as a black guy in a largely white church and helped us to love and to praise God and to know ourselves. His dream was to be the first resident over there at Caldwell. It's just so beautiful when we become part of the church. Uh, there's confusion and we're trying to figure things out as we go and there's some things that we know and there's so much more that we don't know. The hope really does come, doesn't it, in that hand clasp in a person's face, in a voice, someone saying, I'm with you, we're in this together. People like Jimmy and Dee discovering each other after so many years, healing, the hope that comes, part of how we recover the person that we were, that we've lost, part of how we glorify God and build up our treasure in heaven. Oh, think about these things with me, my friends. Thanks be to God. Church family, would you join me in a time of prayer? O oh God, our help and our hope, holy is your name, unlike any other name we know. Holy are your ways, beyond the reach of our imperfections. Holy are your people, called by you to show the world a new way, a new hope. We thank you for this opportunity this morning to worship and praise and thank you, for you alone are worthy of our worship. And so we ask for your spirit to join us in this place, to enlighten our hearts and minds, to reveal to us again the hope of your presence with us. Lord, in your mercy. Gentle shepherd, we're mindful of those among us who suffer. And we pray for those in need of your healing on this day, for the sick, for the injured and hospitalized, 
for all those whose difficulties have isolated them from their community. Give to them a spirit of healing and hope. For those who mourn and weep, let them stand firm in your promises, buoyed by your strength and care. And give to us all the comfort and assurance that nothing, nothing can separate anyone from your love. Lord, in your mercy. Loving and gracious God, we gather here this morning, drawn by the mystery of life and death, anxious to pick up the threads of our lives and create a new ending. And even as we praise you for the empty tomb, we approach you with a mixture of faith and doubt. There's so much sorrow and pain in our lives. We have friends and family who struggle in so many ways. Sometimes it keeps us from seeing your hand at work among us. Sometimes we forget that you are with us. Your proclamation of peace through the risen Christ is both amazing and startling, yet it brings such relief and joy. We want to see Jesus. We want to feel his comforting touch and to know that his example is worth following. Pull together the fragments of our lives into the calm and peace of your spirit. Wake us from the dead again. Let your presence shine on us as we place our trust in you. Show us the truth that makes us whole and lead us in your work to redeem and reconcile the world. We lift this prayer in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as the ushers come forward and we prepare to bring to God his tithes and our offerings, I want to thank you for your continued generosity. It is your generosity that allows us to maintain this space and to share hope with the people of our community.
generous God, we pray that you accept these gifts, that you bless them and multiply them and use them to bring a new flowering of hope in your kingdom. Amen. As we go from this place, may we continue to reach for God and witness God's love to the world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Mm -hmm.